This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. GroupQuest is sponsored by Doghouse Systems, makers of great gaming computers. Visit them at doghousesystems.com for some of the best gaming PCs on the market, and visit our site at thegroupquest.com for your code to take advantage of our special offer. Welcome to Group Quest, the new roundtable podcast from all things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. Join Medros as he gathers a strong group of voices from around the community to tackle the hottest topics of the month. And now, your host, Medros. And welcome back for, well, another Group Quest podcast. I am your host, Medros, and with me, I have a very international flavor for tonight's, or today's episode. Tonight, in most of their locations, or this morning in some locations. But uh, we we have great, great topics, great conversation, and hopefully a great show for you today. Uh, so first off, let me uh, introduce from the earliest time or perhaps latest time, depending on how you want to look at it, we have MacGyver. How are you doing, MacGyver? I'm doing very well. Thanks very much for having me on. I feel very honoured. Glad to have you here. Um, we also have, from the UK, we have three different voices. We have, first, Gazimov. How are you doing, Gaz? I'm doing pretty well. It's great to be back on the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Glad to have you here. And also, his co-host of the Obscure Cast, we have Pewter. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing all right. And glad. happy to be here for the first time as well. So Glad, glad to have you on Group Quest. And uh, folks may remember them from our BlizzCon coverage. And uh, Gaz has been on the show, for, uh, on the Group Quest podcast a couple times before, I believe. So also from the British Isles, I, I imagine, uh, we have Razorbuck. How you doing, Razor? I'm fine, thank you. It's uh, great to be here and slightly surreal to be talking back to the voices that I've had talking in my ear for the last however many months I've been listening. Well, we're, we're glad to uh, glad to have you join us and uh, we, we do hope to have some great conversation uh, about all kinds of different topics in World of Warcraft and uh, the community. Um, before we do get on with that, though, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor. Uh, we have a new sponsor of Group Quest, and that's Doghouse Systems. They are a maker of awesome gaming PCs. You've heard, I'm sure, about Alienware and other makers of computers, but Doghouse makes computers specifically for the gaming market. The Armor series of computers is a line of computers that are perfect for playing WoW or even newer games like Black Ops, StarCraft II, and more. Check them out at doghousesystems.com and check out our website for the code. They'll get you a $25 Jinx card when you buy a new PC from them. And let's get on with the show. So first up, we have, um, I think, a really important point to make. Um, there's, I think, a necessarily perhaps a uh, blow up in the community over uh, the Lady Sinestra encounter. Um, Paragon recently uh, downed them a couple of days ago, and they found that 
the fight was unnecessarily hard and bugged, um, and they seem to be very upset about this. Am I the only one who thinks that this is a cost of being a cutting edge raider? No, I would I would definitely agree because I seem to recall a few complaints from top end guilds in Wrath and in Burning Crusade where they complained that they were bug testing these top level instances pretty much. Uh, top level encounters because no one else could get to them before you know no one else could get to them so they were the first ones to test them pretty much and i was kind of under the impression it's always been like that because of either because of gating or because of you know what being the first people to get there well yeah i mean arthas was never never seen before people faced him so why should this encounter be different see i'm kind of split here because um on the one hand i I agree that it must be really uh, annoying for a, a you know a professional raiding guild um, who are meeting this content and finding it buggy and it, it kind of ruins the experience a bit for them. But at the same time, I have to think that can't Blizzard test in-house this sort of thing to at least make sure that most of the obvious bugs are uh, are out of the way. T- testing can take you so far. Um, I actually work in software testing, so I when these sort of things come about, I actually have a lot of sympathy for the Blizzard developers because I I know how it works on the testing front. And what I know is that while you can, you can test and you can test and you can retest, you will never find everything until you have a piece of software in a real world situation and where you have not just, you know, a dozen people or two dozen or even a hundred people testing it. You, You will find that raid teams like, Paragon and Insidia and people like that, they will find things that the Blizzard development team just would never have even considered to be things that they should even test for, Um, mainly because the more people you get looking at something, the more opinions and viewpoints you get. And so you you can always do a lot of testing. And I mean, they could have tested this for another six months and still had these top level guilds finding lots of bugs. So there's a point that you can test to, and I mean, as long as the instance isn't crashing when they do something, or you know, if if it's an odd mechanic, I mean, when you're thinking about things like the Arthas fight, where uh, I think Insidia were using the Serenite bombs and it was rebuilding the platform and things like that, that's probably not something Blizzard even thought of, which is why they look at these encounters so closely with these top rating guilds. And I mean, they can't really complain too much because they still got the world first, uh, Paragon in this case. So mm-hmm. there's really not a great deal I can complain about, I don't think. It might have been a little bit buggy, but they still got it. Yeah. I mean, I also wonder if part of the problem is the speed at which people want to uh, rush into the end content, like almost racing to finish the all the expansion content before it's even been released. I mean, I think I read a blog recently that said that uh, win for them marks the 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 point at which all of the Cataclysm content has at some point been beaten by someone. And it's only been out, like, what, two months, if that? Exactly. And the the other problem that you get is that if you want to try and do all of your testing before you actually release Cataclysm, and they tested an awful lot of raid content before Cataclysm was released, if you end up testing everything beforehand, it means you've got no surprises and nothing to kind of show off once you've released the expansion. It means that everything everyone's done, they've done already once before, or twice before, how many times, before Cataclysm has been released. And they'll just rest their laws and think, okay, this is it. There's no more challenge for them. It's just going through the motions. 
Yeah. I, I actually deliberately avoided being in the beta because of that. Um, and, and now I'm quite happy to, you know, take as much time as I need to get to level 85 because the whole experience is just so much better. You know, it's such a be- one level higher and it's, it's a pleasure to play through. I also think that if you're going to be trying to uh, test games internally and have an internal QA raid team that's going to try uh, testing various bits and pieces like raids before you release them to, to the uh, masses and to people like Paragon, then you've got to make sure that your internal raid team is playing at the same skill level and has the same kind of abilities. And that's probably unlikely unless you end up recruiting someone like Paragon and saying, we want you to work for us. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think that um, these, these really expert pro raiding teams are, have been doing it so long they're literally thinking of things that never occurred to Blizzard, like ways of using things that they were completely undesigned for? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I think there's there's several examples of that. Like as uh, was mentioned earlier, the uh, Insidia thing with using the bombs to dismantle the uh, outer ice um, be- before uh, before you start the encounter. They didn't think of that beforehand, but uh, Insidia walked in and went, "What happens if we try doing this?" And lo and behold, it worked. It must be. I, um, I, th- I think I sort of need to lay my ha- my cards on the table here. I have to confess, I am a raid virgin, um, coming from a small guild, so I haven't had a chance to do any raiding yet. But it must be there must be a sense of reward as well when you do try something new and different that wasn't the way it was intended, but it works. If it if it works well for you, if it if it becomes a bug, obviously probably not. But mm. I think I think there's a lot of satisfaction in coming up with the tactics yourself. I mean, I always enjoy. We don't do it much in our guild, but going into a bloss blind, having not read tactics, and just the whole team just right. Let's just throw ourselves at and figuring out stuff. There is a, a huge amount of satisfaction for that, um, which is part of what those cutting edge guilds get to do. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. There is there is a lot of satisfaction working stuff out for yourself and trying things that don't necessarily adhere to the written standards of what you would expect to work as well. Um, like discovering, oh, we we like grouping up on this moment where most people spread out, or we stand over here where most people will stand there, and it works better for us because of X, Y, Z. Um, yeah, pretty much. I think this goes back to the differences in rating now and how it used to be. Um, I mean, at the beginning of Vanilla, when people were rating, and again, I wasn't playing back in Vanilla, so you'll have to, you know, a lot of this has been read and, and anecdotal, but from what I've read and from what I've heard is that in Vanilla, raid teams, they would go into an encounter and they may defeat it, but they wouldn't publish their tactics. They would say, hey, yes, we beat this mob, but they would jealously guard their tactics. And it wasn't until later on that uh, you end up getting sites like Elitist Jerks and things like that who say, well, okay, this is how you do the raid encounter. Here's a video of it. This is exactly what you need to do. And the attitude after that was, well, if you want to know how to do this, you don't go in and learn it. You go and watch the video. And if you don't go and watch the video, you're stupid. Which, I mean, it's two different attitudes to how you look at it. Some people want the challenge of working it out for themselves. Other people just want to know how to do it and then challenge themselves on how they do it. 
And there's no right or wrong way of doing it, but I think it's just a change in attitude between how things have been and how things are now. And these these top-level raid teams who go in and do these world firsts and things like that, they're operating in that old school where they don't have videos to refer to. They don't have elitist jerks to say, this is how you do it. They've got to work it out for themselves. Yeah, yeah I think... I th I... Sorry, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Now you go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, um, coming in as I have, I've only been playing for about a year and a half now. I've, I've actually come in uh, with Wrath, and that's only WoW I've known. Um, I, re I ran a lot of that with uh, with my guild leader, and he's in the chat room at the moment, actually, Demarare. Um, he uh, he basically uh, backseat tanked me through just about everything. Where we'd be on Skype, and he would explain how this mechanic worked, how that mechanic worked. Um, obviously because he'd, he'd done the content before and I was doing it for the first time. But we've actually really enjoyed and really had some fun moments in, uh, the, dun in the, the dungeons and the heroics in Cataclysm by running into things that we had no idea how to, how to deal with and just seeing what happened. I, I can understand Paragon's frustration with the, the situation because it feels like you're not defeating the encounter, you're defeating the bugs that you encounter instead. Uh, and and bearing in mind that with things like boss kills, if you're not first, you're not anywhere. I can understand that they they really want to be trying to defeat the encounter rather than just bug fixing it for for Blizzard, and that must be deeply frustrating for them because if they slip up or if they hammer against an issue that they can't overcome, then it means that they might be second or third. So I can really understand the pressure that they're under because if they if they're not pulling in the boss first kills then it means that it, it affects their sponsorship and it affects their recruitment and all these bits and pieces but i also think at the end of the day that if you're going to start doing this bleeding edge content you need to be able, uh, need to be willing to put up with things that haven't been fully tested there's real world practicalities that need to be taken into account i mean people aren't supermen and you know, when things are written by people, there's always going to be bugs and mistakes. So, that, you know, I, I can also understand that frustration. But encounters are always being tweaked and changed and bug fixed. I mean, you've only got to look at something like Enixia or even things like, um, I mean, Ragnaros, the original Ragnaros and Vanilla. They, they were and are still being changed and tweaked from time to time. I mean, not bug fixes and things like that, but, you know, they'll... I mean, you've only got to look at deep breaths with Anixia. I mean, how many times did that get changed? So th these kind of things are ongoing, and it, it's frustrating to feel that um, you are doing the bug fixing, but it's, it's a lot more like a collaborative partnership. I mean, you're looking at these, these top-end raid guilds, and the Blizzard developers are sitting there almost like in an arena and, and watching what they're doing. You go, wow, look, okay, we set this up, and... and they're doing this against it and it's it's almost like the developers versus the raid team rather than the raid team versus the encounter you know yeah. it's sort of a battle of wills in that way yeah. yeah the 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 post from paragon on the topic was as follows we've just managed to kill sinestra 25 man in heroic mode we reached the boss as the second guild in the world this was a bit dis disappointing but we just sucked it up lick our wounds and push forward where we spent five full days theory crafting, practicing, and relearning the fight. 
The counter mm -hmm. itself was quite unfinished, especially on the first few days. There were some absolutely massive bugs that were obvious from the first pull. Shadow orbs sweeping the whole room and killing everyone in the raid. The dark simulcrum and other reflects and rack the, the, was probably the biggest one. You could literally hit the boss for one billion damage with a single global cooldown. It was pretty damn scary watching Sinestra almost die to it by accident. Blizzard, however, fixed this within an hour or two after receiving the report. There were still a bunch of hotfixes, even between attempts, a tactic that could be used to handle a part of the fight wouldn't just simply work at all in the next fight and not and just left us scratching our heads. At, at, at these points, we often took theory crafting breaks even up to an hour before figuring out what what exactly we're supposed to do next. Some people got pretty upset with after the first sub 10% attempt, finding out that the tactic we used was unintended and hotfixed right afterwards. Overall, it was just a very weird rating experience. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, some unfinished buggy stuff, but definitely some very stressful. Personally, I'm not sure what to think of it quite yet. All in all, this tier of rating, um, sorry, sorry, this, this, overall, this is just a very weird rating experience. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, um, and all in all, this tier of rating, in my opinion, has been the hardest tier of rating overall. There just hasn't, there just haven't been many pushover bosses on heroic difficulty. There hasn't been any gating, there hasn't been any attunements and such. It's just been one big, absolutely brutal grind. Probably the biggest difference between this tier and the previous ones have been the various bugs and exploits, sadly enough. There are also a lot of completely baseless rumors going around about, about us exploiting various bosses. Even some top guilds have made some pretty sad and misinformed comments based upon nothing but, but hearsay and quotes from forum trolls, who have absolutely no first-hand knowledge at all. We didn't use any exploits or bug whatsoever on Chogal. We didn't use them on Nefarian. We didn't use them on Sinestra. I'm not sure what all bosses that there have been rumors about anymore. It's hard to keep track of what the amount of trolls absolutely explo exploiting everywhere. Um, it will all be completely obvious once we have time to get the videos done. Um, and they show, of course, the, the group picture of, of their kill. So it sounds like they're very frustrated. Um, but I would say that if you want to be a world first guild and Blizzard wants, and you know Blizzard wants to hold stuff back so that you're not seeing everything right up front, you have to accept that you're going to see some bugs and yeah, some things are going to change fight to fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think just touching on that post for a, a moment, I think this is why we've gone from the situation where we would have closely guarded secrets back in vanilla through to everything being available almost as soon as the major book guilds had started downing bosses mm. and it's basically because i think boss killers do you remember that old website where they started rewarding cash for strategies and so on i think that was really the tipping point which turned around and said okay if you start producing guides and strategies we're going to pay you money and then the top rating guild said well if we're going to start combating allegations of uh exploiting and uh abusing bugs then we'll just put out our videos to say this is how we did it so do you guys think that um that Blizzard encourages groups to get to these fights so they can watch them do their raids and try and f go against these bosses? Like, do they have people there at, you know, at the Blizzard offices when these people are doing these raids to try and watch them? <laughs> like uh, lab rats in a maze, it sounds like. <laughs> and they might I, well I... do, but I think a lot of it, they did say a lot of it was done through a bug reports and they've got the GMs actively watching for bug reports from those particular players because obviously they know about them. So they may well have 
people looking in, but I think they're just going to have the team ready whenever a bug report does come through, and they're they're going to be watching the data from it quite closely. I don't know how what mechanisms they have for checking fight data and things. So got a a bug report speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, just, I just kind of imagine Blizzard devs who were just sitting there and like they're in like a, a, a spectator mode watching as the guild, you know, goes through the fight and and checking out numbers and stuff. I'll tell you what, if, if Blizzard do have a secret hidden spectator mode, they should really make that a feature for other players to, to take part in and be able to watch guilds do raids and so on. I think that'd be awesome. I'm Oh, definitely. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I would definitely make use of that to learn the game and, and to uh, to see stuff I haven't got to yet. That would be excellent. I can see there being major technical limitations to that. Um, primarily in that when you have maybe a half a dozen devs watching a fight from internally within Blizzard, it's not going to affect the encounter much. But if you uh, suddenly advertise, hey, Insidia is doing a raid on such and such boss at this time, and you get 100,000 players logging in in spectator mode. But if you have 100,000 people logging in to watch that instance, I can't see it working very well. But that's, <laughs> I, I, I think as a topic. feature, I think as a feature, it'd be more along the lines of you can go along to your guild's 25 man or 10 man, and you can go along as an 11th person or a 26th person in the raid, but you just can't yes. physically do anything. That's I think that's the feature most people tend to think of when they want a spectator mode, because otherwise. You watch the stream live stream from the raids that do that. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a great feature, um, and I do think that uh, Blizzard will continue to do what they did here. I don't think they're. I don't think this post and this issue with Sin the Lady Sinestra fight will change their plans. They want to have some content that isn't known months before or weeks before, so that guilds can have first world 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 first kills in the first couple of hours. Like, they don't want guilds to be doing that. Do you guys agree mm -hmm. with me on that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, these, these top-level raiding guilds, you only got to look at the... Uh, who was the raid team that was at BlizzCon that did the uh, the live encounters? Was it Paragon? I can't remember. I thought that was uh, Paragon. Yeah, I think it was. Well, in, in any case, I mean, in that particular case... They had to defend the gates of Orgrimmar against a bunch of random bosses that the devs were picking on the fly, I think, correct? Yes. Now, in that case, you've only got to see that it took them maybe a couple of goes to, to get it right. And, and this is when the devs are sitting there tweaking things on the fly. So they say, oh, all right, what boss do we put in next? Oh, all right, let's put in Gruul. Okay, Gruul's coming up and Gruul runs up to the gates and they go, okay, well, let's do this and this and this. And they might die the first time but then they'll beat him the second time i mean these are it doesn't really matter whether blizzard is encouraging or not these these guilds are going to go out and do this regardless of what anybody else thinks because that's what they do they get in and they do the very first stuff and they they are really really good players and they really know their stuff and this is why this is just what they do so i don't think it it would matter if blizzard were encouraging or encouraging it or not they would still be doing it anyway yeah i mean if, if that's the if that's the way they want to play the game if that's the type of enjoyment they get out of wow then um you know it's it's well, more power to them. just just to uh state uh it was paragon who did the live raid at, at blizzcon this past year 
And uh, that actually brings up another point because I believe they actually used, well, not really an exploit, but they used a mechanic where if they died, they would just respawn at the graveyard down at Razor Hill or wherever it was, and then they would run straight back up to the gates and rejoin the raid. And the Blizzard devs, while they were doing that, realized, oh, okay, this is something that we didn't think of when we were planning this encounter at the gates of Orgrimmar. And it's just another example of um, pitting the minds of the raiders against the minds of the devs and seeing what happens. And there can be very unintended consequences. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Bl Blizzard is apparently, after all, not uh, omniscient. They can't think of everything. No, they are only human after all. Shock. Shock. I mean. <laughs> so, um, in the end, do you think that this will have a negative effect upon guilds like Paragon and Insidia, who do consider themselves, as you said, professional raiders, and who I think just have to accept the fact that they may not know every every bit of content beforehand and they may have to face some bugs. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, these these top end guilds, they they have I mean they I mean we're talking about them now in a in a in a podcast and other people talk about they're not quite household names, but at least as far as as WoW goes and people who know about raiding, people know the names of these guilds and can and list them off and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And I don't think it's going to affect their reputation in, insofar as they are still admired and they are still doing amazing things in these encounters. And, yes, they may find it a little bit difficult and a bit frustrating from time to time, but they're still being sponsored. They're still very much admired for what they do, and people still look up to them as, hey, these guys are the pointy end, and they really know their stuff, and they should be applauded for that. So I think next week people will forget about it, and 4.1 will roll around, and the next new bosses will come out, and everybody will be talking about, oh, who's going to get the world first on these bosses? And everybody will forget about it until the next expansion, and we'll go back and say, oh, do you remember at the beginning of Cataclysm, this and that and happen, like we are now with... Um, Max Ramos and, and the introductory raids to Lich King. So everybody's looking back on it with uh, a sense of nostalgia saying, oh, I remember when this used to be really hard and so on. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I, I recall when I was with, uh, with WoW Radio back in the day and people who listened to my show, which was about role-playing, role not, not about, you know, raiding and stuff, they'd be shocked when I didn't know the names of of Nihilium, which was the, the the guild that became Insidia when they merged with SK Gaming, um, they they couldn't figure out how I I didn't know these names and they're not part of my sphere of knowledge at the time. And of course now I know about them because now I'm actually doing a news show about about WoW. But um, in the end, it's just a matter of you know guilds that want to be on the bleeding edge need to understand what bleeding edge means. Uh, at least in my opinion. Emphasis on the bleeding part, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. No, agreed. It's a very, well, very I mean, sharp just, edge. <laughs> well, I mean, just, a, just to contrast with that, I mean, it, the entire spectrum of WoW players, I mean, you're talking about, I don't know what the latest figures are, but let's say 12 million is, say, maybe an overestimation. Let's say there's 10 million current active players in the world of Warcraft in, in its entirety. Now... I mean, it only takes one-tenth of those to make to, to know about the community and everything that goes on behind the scenes and the podcasts and the, the guilds that are the top end and everything. If you contrast that with um, my wife in particular, she plays WoW as well. We play together. And 
she plays and we have lots of fun together and all of that, but she isn't into the community. She isn't into the, uh, like the external community. She isn't into the podcast. She isn't into the rating or anything like that. We play together and we play with our guild and we have a lot of fun, but that, that is an entirely other sphere, like Medros was saying. And not everyone is aware of that, but the people who are aware of it and who, who think about this and who look up to these guilds, there's going to be a percentage of them that really, really care about this, uh, these bugs you know, giving them a problem. And there's other people who are going to say, oh, well, no, we don't mind. We still think they're a fantastic guild. And then you've got the people in between. So it covers the whole spectrum. Just It tends to be the loudest voices who complain the most is who you hear the most about. Yeah. Mm. Really, it's uh, it's just a matter of what is known to you, you know. Um, some, you know, I've never seen Illidan. I've never seen the Illidan fight in person. I've yeah, never, I never faced. Heck, I, I don't think I've ever faced Ragnaros. Um, <laughs> I, I've faced almost all, almost all of it, but I, I don't know. We've made it to Ragnaros on the one time I've been in, in Molten Core. Um, okay, let me let me correct that. I have faced Ragnaros in Hyjal or the Firelands part of Hyjal, but um, actually facing him in Molten Core, I've never done that. I've never faced Arthas. Um, I know about those fights. I, I know about a lot about those fights, but I'm never going to see those fights unless it's at level 100 I'm facing Illidan and Arthas. You know, that's about when, I'm <laughs> when I'll be seeing them. And if you want to do Molten Core these days, it only takes, what, two people to clear out Molten Core, and it only takes an hour or so to do it. I think that, in the main, though, if you look at the people who actually do raiding, I think they said about 5% of the player base would actually uh, reach the Arthas encounter on any mode, whether it's uh, heroic mode or just plain regular mode Arthas. That's a very small number. That's what? 500,000 players out of your 10 million player base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'm, um, I'm in the same situation as, as Medros, and um, I found it interesting because I, I, I read that uh, they deliberately made things easier in Wrath so that more of their player base would see all of the content. Um, so if the fact that uh, still only like 5% uh, have faced Arthur's, then obviously there is still a lot of content that, that only a few people are enjoying. Well, it, it always seemed to be that um, from the time of vanilla, raiding, especially top end raiding, I mean, if you're talking about Nax 40, where hardly anybody got into it because there was such a grind up in gear and time and it took so much effort to get into those encounters. From that point on, from BC and then into Wrath, it was always a matter of them trying to open up as much of the game to as many different people as possible. And, and this is where the complaints about dumbing down of raiding and dumbing down of encounters and all of this sort of thing came from. It wasn't just a gearing thing, particularly in Wrath, where they wanted more people to experience more of the content. And in order to let more people experience more of the content, they introduced heroic modes. So the people who want to do it hardcore can do it hardcore, and the people who just want to see the encounter can do it on normal mode, and they can be happy with that if that's what they want to do. And it's sort of it's gotten to a point with the pendulum swinging back the other way and people are saying, well, now it's too easy and we want to make it harder. And, and so they've gone and they've made it harder and, and it's, it's going to eventually, the pendulum will eventually swing back the other way and you're never going to please all of the people. They're they're doing a good job of pleasing most of the people, I think. 
And if you look at uh, Ice Crown Cell, they introduced that uh, scaling uh, buff that players would get over time. Yes. So it started off as a 5% buff and it crept up to 30%. But I, I really think that heroic modes are a bit of a shame. I, I don't like the fact that you just flick a switch and, hey, I'm in heroic mode. I really liked uh, what they did in the Oldham. I still think Oldham was the best instance in Wrath uh, where they had non-Boolean heroic modes. So, and things like Cytherian, for example, different instances. Where you have one out of three drakes and two out of three and so on, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you could choose the difficulty that you wanted to play it at and the rewards would scale depending on it. And eventually, of course, it's easy to just zerg it. You get shed loads of DPS, defeat the boss in one minute flat and bump three drakes done. But um, I think that things like that where you've got options of how difficult you want to do the encounter rather than just flicking a switch is a fantastic way of building mm -hmm. uh, encounters like that. I think in my guild, Alduar was definitely, it's hands down the general, the guild's favorite raid from Wrath. Um, everyone loves it. And people people are still going back there when, when they're bored with heroics or whatever now. Um, and we definitely prefer, we definitely preferred that way of triggering the hard modes to, yeah, you know, to to Ice Crown and and uh, you know, even the uh, Trial of the Crusader, uh, like you have to f switch the whole instance to do it. Um, so I kind of I'm kind of sad that they went with the with the sort of heroic mode per boss type system, but I can see why they're doing it. It's easier it's easier to design when you don't have to think about triggers as well as. Um, the different, you know, how the encounters are going to be different once the hard mode's in, uh, triggered. I, I think, think part of, of the problem... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think some of it is a case of is two difficulty levels enough? Like, um, perhaps a, an easy, medium and hard would uh, make for a more natural, you know, progression for people or, for, or you know, catch more of the, uh, the player base. But, again, that just puts so much more work on the devs' part. Yeah, like uh, Yog with different amounts of, you know, the different number of lights and things. Because uh, we did, we did no lights recently. We did it at 85 just for, just for fun and to get a few people their drakes. And that was so much fun. I mean, I'm thinking about how hard it must have been, you know, at level, you know, so impressed. That was a, that's a really hard fight at, at level, uh, at the right gear at level. Um and being able to sort of granulate the difficulty and pick which, you know, which uh, mechanics you could do without or, or which ones you absolutely needed, I found that really interesting. I really could still have done without phase one, though. Mm. You'll Again, be phase the one. The, the problem with, um, I mean, that, that scaling encounters is, is fantastic. It's a great idea. The, the problem comes that you have, essentially, you go from having one instance with a boss and then one extra mode, which has to be tested, I mean, um, Obsidian Sanctum, particularly where you have you know one or two or three drakes or none, um, you're essentially changing it from one encounter or two encounters to four encounters or five encounters, and each of those has to be bug checked and tested, and and mm. developed, and you end up you end up spreading out your resources, and the development time ends up being so high that they either rush the development, which is always a bad thing. Um, it's not tested properly, and then you come back to the problems with, um, you know, or you end up having maybe 
one encounter or, or two instances rather than four or five. And it's, it's a delicate balancing act between getting the stuff out the door and getting it right. Um, and I think that's probably why they went away from that, from Uldwa to Ice Crown, where they had that many mm-hmm. more instances and that many more encounters. And they, they had to concentrate the time on, on getting those right rather than adding extra modes, which would introduce more bugs and problems. Yeah. But It'd be nice so, to be able to go back and have that, but uh, I, I yeah. don't know whether they're going to continue with that model. Even so, if you look at the uh, model that XT002 uses, uh, where if you manage to destroy the heart within when it descends first first off, that it actually goes into a, uh, a hard mode then. Mm. Little, little flips mm. like that, where you do something and it activates hard mode rather than the raid leader switches something in the interface. I think that just feels more natural. Uh, pushing even, the big red button. <laughs> yeah, pushing the big red button, that memory. Exactly the same yeah. thing. It's, it, you're doing something in-game rather than just flicking a switch in the interface. And, and you Especially know what, I actually... If, um, sorry. No, no, that's all right. I, I read something a while ago where um, part of the reason they went away from doing that is that they were getting complaints from some groups who were going in and saying, uh, we, we want to do the heroic mode, but we, we don't know what to do to activate it. <laughs> and so they were going in and, and saying... You know, they didn't know to press the big red button, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or they didn't know they had to destroy the orbital defense systems or, or destroy the towers or hit, the, oh, you know, this tentacle, you know, with their arm in the air and their leg on, on their back and that kind of thing. And <laughs> again, it, it comes to, I, I heard a phrase a while ago that, that made me laugh. Uh, it said, the, the village cannot design the village based on the opinions of the village idiot. Um, essentially, you can't just go to the lowest common denominator and, and take what they have to say and say, well, this will have to apply for everybody because it has to apply to everybody. Um, but I, I do know that I, I believe that that's why they took those sort of buttons and switches and, and mechanics like that away in some cases, because some people just couldn't find where to switch them on, which I think well, is that's a silly person. That's what I was going to say, actually. Um, they need to design a mechanic perhaps where rather than it being, you know, to, to enter hard mode, hop on your one leg three times anti-clockwise or something, they need to be doing a sort of analysis of your performance so the game looks at how well you're doing in the run so far and begins scaling the content against you. I think there's quite a few console games that do that these days where, say, if you were to run in, you know, your DPS hits this, the first boss falls at this speed, um, you know, the next the next boss is triggered into hard mode, whereas if you run in there... That you know, the hard mode boss wipes you, or or uh, you 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 have a bad performance. Your DPS is through the floor or something. Then it switches a, the 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 instance back to normal mode, and that means that if you do a pug and jump in with a random group, which is perhaps not geared for it, is perhaps not the right combination of of uh, classes for it, then you run through and uh, have a normal mode, and it's all uh, all well and good. But if you end up with a really good group. Or in a guild group that uh, you know that really knows what their stuff and is really geared right, really knows what they're doing. Then almost from the first pull, the, the instance is going to say, "Oh, okay, we've got a good group here. Switch it up to hard mode for them." Mm. I, I would Might like well to be see the future of MMOs. Could be. I would like to see it go back to the system where you you do something reasonably obvious, like uh, or um, like in Ulduar where where Bren Bronzebeard explains at the beginning. Oh, hey! You see these over here? Uh, 
try not to go near them because if we accidentally destroy them, then it'll make this a whole lot harder and so on like that. So point people <laughs> to it, but not in an obvious, a completely obvious, oh, hello, adventurers, if you want to activate heroic mode, go and press this button. You know, that, that's a little bit too obvious. It'd be, I, it'd be nice to make it subtle. Push the big red button wasn't obvious enough. <laughs> yeah, that kind of breaks the mood when uh, when the, the the NPCs start talking to the player, not the character. Well, yeah, exactly. I, pretty... I mean, when they come in and he says, "Oh, Okamagosh, if you would like hard mode, press one now." <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. That's that's just no. That that'd be worse than the system where the the raid leader has to go out and activate hard mode or heroic mode or whatever. So, sorry, sorry. Yeah. What, what what did you say? Okamagosh. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> See if, if, my, if I phoned up my bank and the automated answering machine said "Okamagosh" to me, I, I wouldn't feel half as bad about being on hold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I am predicting like now. a few times you could just swat the phone with an axe or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but Gaz, what if the automated systems told you this? You are not prepared. That would be epic if I jumped into a into a into a run or a raid that I'd never seen before, and the NPCs just creep me the hell out, saying I wasn't prepared. I'd just leave. Ship <laughs> and stuff. Well, I, I, I think not... I think when you try and queue up for a random dungeon, a round, random heroic, or a random dungeon, yes. and you aren't prepared, I think yes. the game should play that sound that track. It should. You're not prepared. Yeah, it should. Say, I'm sorry, you can't do this. I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Or if it just flashes a big raid warning text when you try and join the random and it's a, it just flashes up on screen, you are not prepared, something like that. That would be a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, fed I... up of seeing people say, I've got three, you know, 329 gear and I'm doing really badly in heroics. This is too hard. Quests? <laughs> you know, do, do some dailies, reps, go to normals? Go to normals. Ooh. I mean, when, when you're talking about, um, speaking of wrath dungeons particularly, I know that, I was at level 80 and I had reasonably good gear. But I did not go in and do a heroic expecting to beat it the first time, not having done it before. The first thing I did before I, I, I went and I did every single dungeon in Wrath on normal mode. That's the first thing I did. I went back and did every single one in normal mode, learned them, figured out what they did, and then I went back and started them in heroic mode from the beginning and, and just amped that difficulty up. Um, it wasn't difficult. It didn't take that much time, particularly when the Dungeon Finder came online. And so I have very little sympathy. Yeah, you've for got to be fair, though, that the, the Dungeon Finder is no guarantee of quality in no, terms of you going to get lumpered with. <laughs> no, I will give you that. But it's, this is part of the reason that I went back and did normal mode first, because I thought I'm, I'm at a fairly good level here. And I'm certain to fairly much outgear it, particularly when you're talking about things like Utgard Keep in Normal, where it was designed for a 70 to 72 kind of area. And mm. I thought, well, look, if I can get through this without too much drama, and the group I'm with should be able to get through it without too much drama, then, yeah, I'll take it up to the next level. But um, I think the people, the people are looking at it from an end of Wrath point of view, and they, they're going in and saying, oh, well... I got to level 80 and I was able to go straight into heroics because of, you know, X, Y, Z reason. I should be able to do that in Cataclysm. And, and, and it's just, it's not the way of things. So do you, do you uh, guys I think, think it's players are just having a hard time adjusting to how Cataclysm does five man <laughs> Oh, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I can see that. Have you Definitely seen the, the pug groups? Because um, at the moment, it seems to be a case of 
people have heard about crowd control and people have heard about um, the difficulty healers are having. So your first pug, as soon as anything starts to go wrong, uh, someone, usually one of the DPS, who is probably causing the problem themselves, will just yell out, oh my god, what are you doing? You're such a noob, and rage quit or, or kick yeah. for random reasons. I've noticed that there are now two qualities of, or two groups of people that are doing dungeons at the moment. In heroics, you tend to get the people who want to take things reasonably carefully and use crowd control and stuff like that. And quite often I find, if I'm in the NFD, that when I'm in a heroic group, that there'll be two or three out of the five, all from the same guild. So they're reasonably careful and reasonably aware. And I found that everyone that cannot adjust and is still stuck in the go-go-go mentality is still zerging normals. And they are just sat there doing their normals, zerging like anything, and can't get out of that wrath mentality where you should be able to plow through everything. Yeah. Well, I really, think part I mean, of that comes from part of that comes from accountability. Uh, when you talk about you know a couple of people in the group being in a guild, those people when they leave the group, they need to then speak to the people later on, and so they can't go and do stupid things because well, number one, they they shouldn't want to do stupid things because it's affecting their guild mates, um, especially with the guild leveling system. Now, they want to get through. They don't want to just, oh, we can't do this. We'll just rage quit because they will then lose out. They have to then face yeah. those people in the morning. With, with the random mm. dungeon finder, you're grouped with a bunch of people that aren't even on your server in most cases. Nine out of ten random dungeons, I'm with four people from four different servers who are not mine. They're in my battle group, but there's a good chance I'll never see them again. And so... The accountability for some people, they just go, ah, oh, I'm not going to see these people again. I don't care what they think and just do whatever. Yeah. It's yeah, not I mean, helping LFD them, but they don't feel that they been... have to do anything else. Yeah, LFD yeah. has definitely been like criticised a lot for taking the sociability, like taking the socialising out of MMOs, making, you know, uh, because you don't have to talk and people, you know, they can go through a, a ransom without saying a word. But what it's doing, it's making guilds more valuable again. Because guilds yep. before LFD, guilds were the best way to get groups. You guild you, you guilded up so you could group with people, so you Absolutely. could make connections on your server. So the kind of badness of the LFD is for a lot of people is pushing people back into guilds. I think pushing people back into to connecting and networking with people on their server, especially with Tolbarad as well. Um, getting together and starting to communicate as a realm again, and I think at least for our little server where everyone knows everyone, it's, it's definitely pushed. Um, realm community back up and we were an RP server so there was a bit of a community there anyway um, but yeah it's making people see how valuable guilds are um, well, if they kind well, of didn't bother before well Blizzard seems to be pushing that anyway I mean the, with the whole guild mm. rewards thing and everything I mean and mm. yeah. runs being counted as guild Definitely. runs they're, they're yeah. obviously trying to promote people too even if they do use the LFD to pick up one or two people the, the core of the group is is still your guild yeah. Yes. The only thing I feel sorry for in terms of doing guild runs is for most guilds, you're fairly light on either healers or tanks and you're fairly <laughs> heavy on DPS. So if you're a healer or a tank and you log into your guild, it's like, please, 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 can we go run heroics? Please, 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 please. Especially Pray the first three weeks of Cataclysm. <laughs> the first, like, the okay. first three weeks after the first people leveled to 85, our tanks nearly had meltdowns. Or at least the mm. couple that were 85 did. They were just kind of, I don't want to log in anymore. 
Um, we're in a uh, we're in a small we're in a small guild, and um, there, there's like maybe five, four or five of us who are actually friends in real life. We'll be will be on Skype most evenings, just as just chatting as friends. And we've almost got to the point now where every time we decide to roll something, like we decided to roll Worgen, uh, all, all level them together, and um, we were basically saying, so who who takes the tank roll, who takes the healer roll, um, because every group <laughs> every group we try and organise having a tank and a healer. Uh, and everybody does a slash Skype. random to see who loses out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my my I'm healing for the first time and uh, as a worgen priest in Cataclysm, so that's a that's a learning experience. Mm. Well, that's a pretty nice pretty nice environment to be learning it in. I think a group that's like true. that. So. Yeah, definitely, that is true. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, the advantage my... the the advantage with doing that with a guild is, um, I mean, it's a little bit like a raid team. You you end up learning what people do and how they do it. So instead of a random dungeon group where you get a bunch of people who say he's a tank, but he might tank in a particular way that you're not used to, with a guild, you get that sense of commonality. You say, okay, well, I know that this person tends to do this kind of thing and, and you work together better as a unit. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I also think that if you're doing something the second time over, and I've got a, uh, an 85 mage and I'm currently working on getting my priest up to 85, and I'm thinking that I was so lucky being able to try out instances in DPS where, yeah, I can take a bit of a back seat and just enjoy the instance and, and press my one button rotation. And then once I get into playing the healer, I know the instance already. So all it's doing is learning the mechanics of as how they've evolved in Cataclysm. And I haven't got the boss fight mechanics and stuff to worry about as well. So I think, I think that's been very lucky with my guild. Mm. Yeah. All right. Mm. We move on to uh, to one of our other topics here. Um, I, I'd like to open up with you, you guys' thoughts on this here. What is honor in the world of Warcraft? To each of you, when you think of honor in the game, what do you think? Um, I kind of think honor to your guild and to also your faction, but I don't think that that goes gets much coverage these days. Like. I don't think maybe this is just because I play Alliance, but I don't think a lot of people have pride in doing something for the Alliance or, or, or equally doing something against the Horde or vice versa. I think a lot of people these days treat it just as a, my guild comes first and after that it's a solo game and who cares what who's doing what, who's giving me what quests and why I'm doing these things. I'll just do them. But maybe mm. I'm mixing it. I agree. Although my my first point, my my first uh, thought when you say honor is points. Oh my god, battlegrounds. Oh my god, I'm dead, <laughs> because element is not doing very well in DPS right now. But in terms of honor, it's just treating treating other people with respect mainly in uh, in game. Like if someone's fighting on a herb node, leave them to it and take the next one. If you know a guildie's having a difficult time with something in particular, make an effort to help them out with that. It, it, and don't spend all your time bashing other people on the server or bashing other people in trade chats or whatever floats people's boats. I don't know. The, but mainly the, honor points, battlegrounds dead. That that's what honor is to me. The thing that I keep seeing, which which like I don't understand why people are doing it, is a like you say grabbing a, a node, an ore node, or a herb node while the other person is clearing out the trash mobs or something. That seems really 
despicable to me. But the other one is um, uh, people sitting on top of quest givers and post boxes with huge mounts. I don't oh, even don't see why. Don't me about that. <laughs> Look, How's I that have a solution for that. I've, I've put in a request for Blizzard to, to do an engineering widget for dealing with people who camp on <laughs> people. And, and yeah, as, as soon as I get... I heard that on the last show you were on, and I, I was <laughs> sitting in the middle of the office just screaming, yes, oh, for God's sake, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> and Gnomish NPC enlarger or something similar to that. <laughs> I, I just think they should have a facility that replaces all mammoth mounts with little comedy tricycles. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> you get rid of the problem, and you humiliate the person on the mount at the same time. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, going back to the whole honor thing, I think honor is, is all relative. I think in terms of how I interact with the wider community, I want to do, I want to do the right thing. I want to help people out. I want to uh, ensure that the knowledge that I managed to accumulate I actually spread around rather than hoarding it for myself. But in-game, I staunchly believe that honor is relative depending on the character that you're playing. So if you're playing a nice character who would generally tend to be a nice person to other people, then yes, you would be you would do the honorable thing. If you're playing an absolute despicable swine, then Undead. you would Yeah, then you would be that absolute despicable swine. Uh, and if it if you manage to find a, a blood elf that's camping on top of a uh, a herb node and you're playing a human warlock that's bitter and twisted with life then you might feel that that blood elf uh, needs to lose out but um i, I think that i think honor is relative in that respect I, I don't think you can just say carte blanche in a in a pve game doing this is dishonorable but um that's that's my general take on it but yeah Honor points in general, I'm really knocked off with the, the new vendor items that they said you can buy for honor points. And it's like 20 cloth for Completely how many honor agree. points? Completely agree. I ridiculous. know. I kind I'm of sorry, understand it. It's this? more a bonus. Oh, on 4.0.6, uh, they're introducing mm. a new vendor that will sell some trade goods for honor points and for justice Point, justice points yeah. and it's kind of they're kind of high prices but i think they're just it's a bonus for anyone who's completed like you know they're everything they want from justice points and has got everything they want from honor points uh it's just supposed to be a bonus so they can use them rather than so it's a, it's a little uh, bit like at the end of wrath where we had a glut of frozen orbs and so they introduced the the frozo guy in dalaran to to <laughs> let us use up that extra currency buying things that we needed you know gems and 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 uh, yeah. no, no, sorry, it was uh, crystallized elements. I think, yeah, yeah. Except yeah. it's not even gems. It's like you can exchange twenty one thousand justice points, or like twenty one hundred justice points for a stack of twenty ember silk cloth. I'm wondering if it's going to break their yeah. their, their own mechanics because they have some uh, mats and some professions where it is a time sink and it is a grind, but that's deliberate to you know sink as as the as the word you know su suggests. Well, and at the same time, they've got a gold sink or a justice point sink. So if you're suddenly getting one thing a different way, then you're, they're breaking their own mechanics, surely. Not really, because the amount those those things cost, it's going to take you a time to accumulate. It's still going to take you an hour or two hours or whatever to accumulate it through a through an through an instance, because uh, that's how much justice points. You know, like like I said, it's you know two thousand 
Um, and I mean, that accumulates fairly quickly if you're doing a lot of heroics, but if you're only doing your daily heroic or whatever like that, that'll take time to accumulate. And that still takes X amount of time compared to gathering time or gold making time. So it's just, uh, I think it's more inefficient to buy them using just using justice points than it is to go out and grind them if you can grind them. Then the problem is that it makes it worthless doing anything above the daily heroic. You might just as well do your daily heroic, get your 70 valor points and then say, right, that's it, I'm done. Instead of doing more than one heroic and, I don't know, either helping people out or trying to collect up enough chaos odds to make a piece of dream cloth or other bits and pieces. It just feels like you're saying, well, we can't be asked to give you an incentive for running more heroics, so here you go, here's something to spend it on, but we're not really bothered. But we're also looking at it from the point of view of how long it took to run a Wrath Heroic. I mean, you could jump in and do a Heroic Utgard Keep in, you know, 20 minutes towards the end of Wrath. And I think part of this goes in hand with making the Heroics harder in that they actually take longer to do. And so the the reward out of getting them is... Well, it's not reduced, but you, you get less of whatever it is you get out of the heroics in the time that you have to do them because you are able to do yeah. less of them. Yeah, mm. so whilst whilst these, you know, justice points initially, they, the prices seem high, but it's so it's just an extra on top of your normal kind of daily. It's not something you, you'd grind for because it's not an efficient way to do it. Um, but it is still it is still reward if you're also helping out guildies or trying to gear up a friend or trying to get that last pit of that those last uh, male braces from bloody dead binds which never ever drop um, <laughs> for instance well, well, that, the other thing the as big... well is that sorry go on i was just going to say that pewter's exactly right there you've got some really crap itemization in in the instances at the moment where you've got shed loads of bosses but and you try looking at uh, I-level 346 or braces or something like that for your particular class and spec, and you'll find things are very slim on the ground. And you've got nothing to spend your justice points on because the vendor just doesn't have that kind of item. They don't have anything in their slot. And there's nothing on the I've, reputation vendors either. It's just infuriating. I've found as well that um, the, the, the looking for group can sometimes throw off the item leveling as well. Like what you say about all items like for your class not being available, that's true. Like I had a, a run of three or four or five quests in Alden recently where the gear that was dropping was all intelligence and spirit gear and the, the tanking gear that would drop would be no good for me because I'd picked up one piece from a random uh, dungeon I'd done sort of while I was still in Hyjal. Um, so you, you, you get a little disheartened because you go for like I say, sort of five, six quests where everything was dropping is either no use to you or not for your class anyway. Okay. Do you guys think that at some point they're going to make that profession item vendor um, have chaos orbs? And will that yeah. be 4.1 or after that? I think yes, and 4.2. Okay. And what, what, what kind of gear, like what kind of uh, price do you see those coming out as? I would expect them to be around 3k points. I'd also expect to see Maelstrom uh, crystals being available on the vendor for about 3k as well. And probably you'd see a, a touch of a reduction on the other stuff and maybe cloth dropping out uh, completely. I mean, the only reason that they need to put cloth on the vendor anyway is because they made it so hard for us to be able to farm cloth anyway to actually level up tailoring. It's, it's an absolute joke. You need to be able to take a 200 gold 
uh, potion of treasure finding just to be able to farm cloth efficiently. It's absolutely nightmare. Those are all for 200 gold? Yeah, potion of treasure finding um, will allow you to gather tiny treasure chests from mobs. Costs 200 gold a pop, lasts for one hour, lasts through death though, so you've got a small consolation there. And it's pretty much the only way that you can ensure that you'll be able to gather cloth efficiently. Okay. I, I wasn't aware that those were uh, so highly valued. I'll uh, definitely have to try and make some of those on my uh, alchemist. <laughs> I can see Curtis's eyes just going ka-ching. <laughs> I, I only have like 30,000 gold. I mean, I need some more. Come on. Oh, wow. 30, I, have like, I have like 4K on one of my characters, and that's my main. What? I, I need more gold. I'm sure you understand. Right? <laughs> Right? I understand. I'm just very jealous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am giving away 5,000 to a guild member, so I'm being generous with my gold. You are. Oh, yeah. I saw, I heard that, that your, uh, your uh, motivation to get fellow guildies to level up. That sounds really cool. It, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, I noticed that in the initial, you know, rush to 85 on the, in the guild that uh, even though I won, those who were trying to compete with me for that didn't really level after I had gotten 85. So I figured I would try and find another incentive to have people get up there first. <laughs> now you're thinking like a blizzard dev. <laughs> I've tried multiple avenues for incentive and, and encouragement to get people to actually do what I want them to do. Next, next thing you'll have to give away a Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am not giving away a vial of the, of the sands. No, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> No, that's just too much. I could, I could see the competition getting to 85 then, though. <laughs> I, I'd have people joining just to get to 85 and then leaving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'd be one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's all good guild rep. If I gave away a vial of the sands, I definitely would have a lot more guildies saying, hey, uh, can I join your guild? Can I... Uh, can, can, and like, I can see people like killing themselves trying to get it. Well, speaking as an engineer, I I spent, oh, honestly, I must have spent six months farming and scraping all the parts together for my chopper. Okay, and that that took me six months. But the feeling at the end of it was just such a, it was just such a rush. Finally, at the end, I said, "Yeah, now I've got this motorbike." Finally, and six months later, it became completely obsolete because everybody flies now. So, yeah. But I still enjoyed it while it lasted. It certainly made leveling or helping other people level easier because you say, well, just jump in my bike and off you go. So, yeah, I would really like them to see them bring out a variant of that uh, two-seater rocket that they got available for a yes. friend. Even if yes. they made it some obscene price, just make it as an engineering uh, manufactured mount. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Be yeah. awesome. Yes. Paint. They'd have to paint go faster stripes down the side of it. I'd, l I'd like to see a more unique mount, something like um, like a, a, ver a variation on Mimiron's head or the uh, the existing little uh, helicopter, the um, engineering helicopter, which I love personally, although even though it's bugged at the moment. Um, mm. You know, a tinker or something that you could add to it that would make it multi-passenger. Uh, that yeah, was engineer yeah. only, perhaps, you know. Like but, a, uh, a side a sidecar that you could make that you could attach to other mounts. So the engineer could enhance an existing mount by adding a sidecar or something. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually 
going over the the um, stuff here on this list of the vendor, the Elementium Ore one really baffles me because as a paladin, I can get twenty Elementium Ore in one one traveling along my mining path in Twilight Highlands. It is extremely easy to get that much ore. That that's really way too high for for the amount of ore you get. If I'm spending two thousand justice points, I want a lot more a lot more ore than twenty. Yeah, but that may just be me. They may, uh, I mean, this is still in. It's still yeah, still, still in beta, isn't it? I mean, they they may they may change and adjust this as time goes on as well. Like as as the uh, currency becomes more and more inflated or becomes easier to get over, they can adjust these at any time. True, true. Yeah, I I, I like that they did come up with this. It definitely leads to the possibility in the future of more and and better stuff. Uh, coming out for that, so I'm really, really happy to see they did announce that, uh, that or they did reveal that in the in the PTRs. Um, now, um, for uh, for the next one, I want to talk about here. What do you guys think about uh, Blizzard's guide to guild advancement? The uh, the the fact that you can be an officer in a guild but still be um, not even friendly with them is that what you mean? <laughs> well, or even the guild leader. Yeah, as a guild leader, I'm only honored, so I, I know that feeling. But it, it's more the guide they released of, of trying to tell people how they can get those next ranks and how they can level up their reputation and, and experience for their guild and what the process is and, and all that stuff. Have any of you read that uh, guide at this time? I, yeah, I, I, had a brief, I had a brief skim of it. I'd, look, from my point of view, I think that anything that Blizzard puts out that's official, so officially on their site, that says hey, this feature is in our game, and here is more than just two lines on how to use it or, or what it is, I, I reckon that's a fantastic thing. I mean, if you compare the site now to how it used to be, the, the amount of information that you got on the site that was outdated or was just you know two lines of, oh, yeah, this is in the game, it's, it's leaps and bounds above what used to be there before. I reckon it's I, a great thing. I, I completely agree. Like, I found it very strange that... Um, if I wanted information on WoW, the last place I went to was the WoW website. The first place I went to was the WoW Wiki and the WoW Insider and, and you know, these third-party, exactly. non-affiliated sources. They had better information than Blizzard themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I find it fantastic as well that they've started doing deep linking. So if you go to your character panel in the WoW Armory, if you've got your profile on WoWhead, it'll actually say, view your character on WoWhead. And if, you, if you've got items, then it'll say view the sites on Wowpedia. Uh, that mm. kind of deep linking, I think, is fantastic as well. I think that's something that um, it strikes me that Blizzard are really good at doing, um, is, is embracing the community and embracing other people who want to expand on their universe and not necessarily seeing that as, a, as a unofficial competition. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, goes to, it goes to what Blizzard has been doing or seems to have been doing in the last few years where they are taking things that other people have done and they're bringing them in-house and making it more official. So, I mean, you, you look at things like the trading card game where instead of handing it off to a third party, they've said, well, no, we think we can do this better. And they bring it in-house and do it themselves. And, and they've obviously, they've looked at their website. They've had a review of it. And they've seen, well, look, all these other people are doing these things that are much better. Maybe we can take something out of that and make a partnership with them. I mean, part of that is that they tend to take things and either absorb them completely and do the other people out of uh, out of what they used to do. But when they, uh, 
I suppose, I hate these buzzwords, but when they make a synergy out of it, they join the two together and say, well, look, here's the official information, like on the Armoury, and, but if you want more here, you can go to Wowhead or you can go to Wowpedia, and while they aren't our sources, we still sanction them as being a good place to go. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's good that they, like, they seem to embrace the community like that, although they tend to have a little bit more of a, um, oh, yes, I like that, we'll take that thanks attitude than I'd like, but you can't have everything, I suppose. Yeah, like I, I know a lot of podcasts play Blizzard tracks in the background. I do so mm. in the pre-show and the post-show, um, and Blizzard's never had an issue, you know, with me using that kind of stuff. They encourage community um, community events and cr- community efforts, um, and they Blizzard's always been very good about supporting the community. Um, you know, it, it's always nice to see the the company actually supporting. Uh, the efforts of creative people in the community uh, instead of getting all copyright rar on people and get you know becoming complete jerks about it i think it comes down to the fact that if they're not losing out on revenue or they're not they're not losing out in some way they they don't really mind what people do on the whole i mean the only thing they really seem to have come down really hard on and rightly so is um, these private servers that were charging money to access their intellectual property. Now, that is completely illegal, and they shouldn't have been doing it, and Blizzard quite rightly came down on them like a ton of bricks, which is fine. But there is no harm to them in a podcast running one of their tracks in the background because the people listening to that, they might go out and buy that soundtrack if they like that music. Or, uh, you know, they're not, they're not losing out on anything. They're, they've only got something to gain from it. It's not like somebody is selling that mon- that music for money that they are then not receiving a cut of. Yeah, in the, in the end, I mean, I know a lot of people who who have heard tracks uh, from soundtracks through my podcasts and have gone and uh, and bought those soundtracks from iTunes or wherever. So mm. um, it's really awesome to be able to provide that uh, for for members of the audience. It's really great to be able to do that for the listeners. And it's really great to be able to encourage people, um, but it, it's really um, it's really hard uh, from a copyright issue for Blizzard to let some things pass and some things, you know, um, you know, stop some things. I don't know what the U.S. laws are exactly, but I'm pretty sure you have to enforce all copyright, not just some of them. So, yeah, and of course, if uh, if you don't prosecute one point then you you set precedent that uh, next time your your intellectual property is is infringed on then um you you can't defend yourself as as well i think sometimes it comes down to that but going back to um the 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 new guild information and the new info that they're putting out about their new features i think that's uh fantastic because um it, Encourages and encourages new subscribers, and it doesn't make the game feel too much like a an elitist alien world that the new players would never possibly understand. I mean, I I honestly don't think I would have got into the game even in Wrath uh, if it hadn't been for the fact that I was playing with friends and that there was a social aspect to it. I, if I'd have tried to come in cold and and tried to figure out how all this worked just by jumping in the deep end, I think I'd probably have been scared off by that. Well, that's probably what's part of what's made World of Warcraft such a resounding success is that the barrier to entry is quite low. I mean, I, I used to play um, EverQuest back in the day. And uh, in fact, I got into WoW because 
I was playing EverQuest years ago, and uh, then I stopped for a while. And when they brought out those progression servers, I thought, oh, hey, I might get back into this. It was a bit of fun in the day. And I had a friend who joined me, and he said, hey, would you like to try World of Warcraft? That seems to be what everyone's playing now. And so I said, sure, why not? And I jumped in. I started a mage, and because I used to be a wizard in EQ, and and it was like, wow, this is really different. But uh, it was really enjoyable at the same time. And just the barrier to entry, I mean, somebody like my wife who had played EQ as well, but really isn't a, a, a gamer in the way that one would normally think about a gamer, she enjoys it heaps too. Um, so it's that barrier to entry. It's it's easy to pick up, but hard to master ultimately. And and that's what makes a successful game on any platform. Yeah, and it's yeah. obviously a successful business model to to Blizzard because you the last thing you want is to make your product hard for people to get into. Obviously, you, you want to constantly encourage new players. Yeah, I think it's a shame that some people look down at that low barrier of entry and say that it's oversimplifying the MMO genre. And there's been a whole spate of discussion recently around how. World of Warcraft and how Cataclysm have done X, Y, and Z to the MMO genre as a whole. When you think, well, they've actually brought a load of people into the game and into trying out MMOs for the first time that wouldn't have picked one up beforehand. And they've done a lot of innovation and helped to evolve the concept. I think it's a shame that a lot of old school or uh, veteran MMO players seem to be getting really disillusioned with Warcraft at the moment, it just seems to be really getting them down in, in terms of the changes that they've made and the simplification and streamlining that they've done. I, I think it goes back to just an elitist attitude that you sometimes find in, in practically every walk of life. I mean, before computer games and MMOs, it used to be that, oh, well, I use computers, so I'm better than you. And then, oh, wait, now everybody can use computers. Oh, well, but I use Linux or Unix, so I'm better than you because I use the hard one. And, <laughs> and, and, and you, you, could, you could go right back to music. And you know, the, the, these are the same kind of people that they don't like a band anymore because everybody else now thinks it's cool. And, and oh, I liked it before it was popular. And <laughs> so now I don't like it anymore because everybody else likes it. You're going to get these people everywhere. And, I mean... Boo-hoo to them, to be perfectly honest, I think, because it's not taking away my enjoyment of it. I mean, my attitude has always been, yeah. hey, if you enjoy it and you like it, you go for it. And if if you don't like other people enjoying it, well, that's your damn problem. Pardon mm. my yeah. I think that's more of a problem making this, this, is, this is a bugbear of mine. This is a bugbear of mine. I think it's kind of, it, yeah, really? I, I could never tell. I, I think uh, Peter's <laughs> being attacked by a giant wasp at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, you are silent. She's in Silithus. <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean this, this came up on the forums a while ago in that, you know, people are saying, oh, um, you know, WoW's, WoW's too easy these days and, you know, anybody can play it and it's oversimplified and that. And my response to that would be, well, go and play EverQuest 2. If you want a hard MMO, something that's hard to get into and that caters to hardcore players and old school dice rollers and, and who like to do it the hard way and, you know, the self-flagellators, Go and play EverQuest 2 because if that's what you like, that's the game for you. You'll get fun out of that. And if you don't like WoW anymore, just vote with your feet. You know, it, to stand there and carp and whine and moan about it endlessly, but still paying your money and playing it, it just they're just doing it to let off steam. And, and so it's just something I try and steer clear of because it's not, it's not pleasant to listen to. It really no, is. Yeah, I mean, I, I found it interesting that a friend of mine who left uh, before even the end of Vanilla 
because it was a grind fest, um, is, is now they joke that they are playing the game in easy mode, but they actually now they've just come back in Cataclysm and they, they joke, oh, it's so easy to level now, it's in easy mode. But since they've come back, they've been talking about it and enthusing about it so much more, so they're clearly enjoying it more, even if they, exactly. now, think that, even if they now think that it should be harder. Exactly, and that's that's the thing that gets me is the fact that you get people who found that it the original. You get people who found that the game the, the game is too easy now, but that uh, they're still saying, "Well, show me something that's better. Show me something with as much polish. Show me something with as rich a game world. Show me something with as varied a selection of content." And they go, uh, "But nah," uh, and they can't do it. They can't do it. It's just frustrating. But uh, no, they're quite prepared to um, really have a go at WoW in the meantime. But, you know, I guess it's the old adage that um, haters gotta hate. <laughs> exactly. The grass is always greener, as they think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I it, it gives them it, it gives them a sense of um, a little. It gives them a sense of feeling like they're um, they're contributing, or you know, they're they're having a voice by complaining about things, but. I mean, it can only get you so far. You know, there, there's a point where people will say, well, look, if you really hate it that much, why are you still playing? And so those arguments start becoming less valid because, you know, clearly they don't enjoy what they're doing or they do and they just say that they don't. And that's yeah. disingenuous. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. But uh, then again, you get the same, um, they're the kind of people who are, you know, possibly also the, 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 the making the pug experience bad and, and you know making the forums to be just a I mean I find the forums at the moment to just scare me the amount of trolling and the amount of really really stupid comments that get made um, and these are the kind of people I think it was Medris who said earlier or possibly not someone said earlier that um, you can't you can't just appeal to the lowest common denominator and you know to some extent mm. the the blizzard has to just not listen to the haters and, uh, you know the raid is too damn hard as someone <laughs> someone joked earlier i think i think uh by, they've got to stick their guns and actually you know keep they've been doing this for so long now they do genuinely know what's best for the the average community and the bulk of the community exactly and i, I don't know if you guys were playing the final fantasy 14 beta um when i was doing that the forums were awash with people saying we played Final Fantasy, whatever it was, and we loved it, and we want you to make another game in the same vein, and please don't make it like WoW and dumb it down and simplify it. And I hate to say it, but the beta was a horrible grind fest with mobs that would never populate, and it was just not fun, you know? And if you're making a game, you want it to be fun for people to play. So it came out, it was released uh, amid much fanfare, and it was absolutely panned. Uh, I think one of the critics said that the game hadn't picked up on any of the innovations in the MMO genre in the past two, three, four years. And you know why? Because it was developed primarily by a bunch of people in the forums demanding they got this, that and the other. And I just feel that they got the MMO that they deserved. But now the development team has been wiped clean and they're going to try redoing it. But this is what happens when you li listen to people too much who think they know what what's best for the game when actually they just want to they just want to say ah this is what you should do without any kind of basis in what makes a game fun you I end really up with the old uh, you end up with the old adage that a camel is a horse designed by a committee <laughs> <laughs> 
when nobody got what they wanted. <laughs> um, yeah. That's a really good one. I have to remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just something I remember. I mean, working in software testing, you, I, I, deal, I deal a lot with um, testers and developers. And uh, something I do know is that um, opinions are great, but you can't put everybody's opinions into the same thing and have it work. It just It just doesn't work that way. No, I mean, so. also, to not wanting to put too fine a point on it, but if a lot of these people who uh, want this, that, and the other were people who knew what they were talking about, they would be game designers. They would be developers. Mm. But having said that, you do have to take up feedback from the community to some extent, because um, otherwise you, you there is the danger that you can go too far off the, the very intellectual property that, got you where you were in the first place i mean I, i'm surprised that that um the warhammer didn't do as well as as expected and um mm. star trek online to some extent i mean because they must have phenomenally huge player bases bigger than anything warcraft can command but they still um they, they still you know haven't managed to be the wow killer as, as everyone keeps saying i think i think the warhammer um it it suffered a little bit from well it suffered and it benefited in two ways in that with Warhammer you had a very large player base already that were really into the desktop game and and they wanted to play the the online equivalent of that but as far as making it mass marketable um, it was a lot like a lot of things that were already in that sphere and that made it a little bit hard for them to stand out except among the people who really knew what Warhammer was about. And so it just it just limited their um, I suppose their their targeted player base a little bit, but I mean yeah. Warcraft Warcraft benefited I think initially from number one from having <coughs> having the uh, the the installed player base of people that um, played Blizzard games beforehand. You know you had your Diablos and you had your Starcrafts and you of course had the Warcraft RTSs, and they also benefited from a, a certain amount of momentum. They got to a certain point where there were so many people playing that people who were really well-known started playing it, and so more people would hear about it, and it became a bit of a... It was like a snowball effect, and you've, you've got to gain that critical mass, and Blizzard managed to do that, whereas a lot of other games, they, they never really got to that point of it being a household name. I mean, I was watching... Um, <laughs> This is uh, something I saw a while ago. I was watching a, a TV show called Moonlight, which was, you know, yet another vampire show put out by you know the American Sci-Fi Network or something like that. And he was the the uh, the protagonist was talking in the background, and he was saying that, you know, I, I'm glad to have lived this long, you know, because there's just so many things in the world that I would never have experienced, you know, like the internet and and DVDs and World of Warcraft, and I thought. This is a reasonably mainstream show. Mm. This it's become it's become a part of pop culture, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um I was surprised by how many people do play that I didn't know, and how many people are still are new who are still uh, still playing. I um I went randomly. I was in um, Las Vegas uh, recently on holiday, and I picked up my copy of The Shattering over there because I, I couldn't pick it up over here. Uh, it was sold out on Amazon and everywhere. And um, I, every place I asked if they had it, uh, the amount of people, oh, you know, what do you play? What, what faction are you? You know, what, what, what servers are you playing on? And even just like random girls at the till were, as soon as they see a copy of the shattering, <laughs> oh, you know, what, what, what faction do you play? You know, 
so it's it's it is definitely you know going global as they say. I think it's the first MMO that you could say has cracked the mainstream market in a big way, and I, I think that no other MMO has managed to do that either before or since. And and you only have to look at how they're being how they were being designed and how they were being put together to realize why. And you just sit in the betas and you listen to the chatter going back and forth on the forums and you think, well, you're not taking this basic, simple approach to say, is this design fun? And if it's not yeah. fun, then why am I doing it? I mean, the, the biggest fun I had in an MMO recently, it wasn't WoW, was LEGO Universe Online. <laughs> And that was a huge amount of fun. Seriously, Lego Universe. They, it's an MMO that only recently came out, and it's aimed I, at kids. And it was I've amazing. heard the same thing. It's, it's buckets of fun. I mean, there's, not, there's hardly any content because it's not designed for uh, anyone with a bit more of an attention span than five minutes. But, hey, it's great fun. I, I loved it. I loved the beta every minute. I've heard the same thing myself, actually, about um, Lego Universe. Uh, mm. Everybody seems to be raving about it. That's tried it, and I, I haven't tried it myself. But um, it, yeah. I, I have played the other Lego games on, you know, the Wii and things like that. And if if it's as much fun as they are, then it's got to be a good thing. Yeah, but but yeah, I know. If I had time to play a second MMO, that would probably be it, just because of the sheer fun you can have with it. I'm looking yeah, forward time. to Target MMO myself. <laughs> I actually don't know that out? that's ever going to happen. I I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Really? I, I, yeah, I think what you say about time is a is a good point because I'm looking at the um, the DCU online, um, the, the 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 DC Comics uh, MMO that's coming out. And I but I'm and, you know, as much as I would love it because I'm an absolutely huge, huge superhero fan. I I don't think I'd have the time to to play WoW and that. And it would be so like I would be so sad to say not you know to just completely give up one or the other of the things I liked. That uh, I'm almost put off from even starting it. Med Medros, I hate to break it to you, but I think Duke Nukem Forever is going to be coming out before Stargate Universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it actually will be coming out now, that is actually quite possible. No, 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 no. Duke, Duke Nukem Forever, I am not going to believe that that is out until I have a hard copy in my hand. I, it does, I, don't, care what, I don't care what trailers they put out. What, whatever. I'm not believing it's out until I either see it on the shelf or it's in my hand. <laughs> it's just, there's just been too much disappointment. They'll, they'll probably surprise us. They'll bring it out, and when they actually finally bring it out, it will be completely different to, uh, to how we expected. A Duke Nukem <laughs> MMO or a Duke Nukem puzzling card game or something. Oh, a Duke Nukem MMO. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I've taken him to a bad place. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyways, they, they need another twelve years to do that one. Mm. So, um, MacGyver, you had uh, wanted to talk about the uh, the issue of balancing life and family commitments and playing. Want to talk a little bit about that? A little. Well, um, just to give you a little bit of background. Um, when I first, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people are in this situation, when I first started playing, well, especially EQ, but WoW as well, um, it's been around for six years now, and I didn't start playing in vanilla, but um, I'm a lot older now, clearly, and 
you know, my life situation has changed. I'm now no longer just, you know, a single guy or, you know, a guy with a girlfriend. Um, I'm now married. I have a two-year-old son. And I've found that um, game playing and, and leisure activities and things like that, they become things that you can't just pick up and put down or, or organize the rest of your life around. You've got to organize your gaming around your life. And it obviously limits playtime and things like that. And, and this is part of the reason that I'm not at 85 yet is that um, my main character and I, uh, my main character and my wife's main character are leveling up together. We're trying to do the quests in order and, and do them at the same time so that we're in the same phase and, and playing at the same time and all that sort of thing. And the time I have to play some of my alts, of which I, you know, I have a couple here and there, is reasonably limited as well because the only time you get to play is obviously after the boy is in bed and and you have a little bit of spare time where you're not completely exhausted from doing just mundane things like housework and, and chores and paying bills and all that sort of thing. And I'm curious to know how other people in these sort of situations are managing it and how it's going to change the face of how not just World of Warcraft but other games are played. Um, I mean... I'm not the only one that's aged. The rest of the player base is aged with me. And I'm sure that there are other people that face these kind of things. And I'm curious to know how the, how they uh, balance it all as well and still manage to you know, raid five nights a week for four hours and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think playing hardcore is the, the biggest sacrifice I've made from um, going being the, the single guy that's playing well in fact i don't think i was ever the single guy that was playing well but being the, the guy with the girlfriend that was playing mm. well now to being uh the guy that's married with to the girl he played well with <laughs> uh, yeah so similar kind of thing we don't have the kid yet but um one of the things which i found is that i can't do the five nights a week i've really cut back on the raiding but also i try and have difficulty with balancing when I play with the raiding guilds and when I play with the wife's roleplay guilds. And that's a real struggle for me, trying to get that balance going. I think that in terms of the future of MMOs, we'll see a lot of games which try and take opportunity from the dead time that we have in our lives. Uh, I'll give you an example. I think that we spend a fair amount of our time either commuting to or from work or sitting around during our lunch breaks or whatever. Um, we might read a book or something. I think you'll see MMOs that have mini games, like crafting mini games or something similar that you'd play on your mobile phone or your smartphone or whatever. So you can still feel that you're progressing in the game. You might be working on guild leveling or crafting skills while you're not at your computer. I so think something that, like the, farm, the Farmville MMO. Yeah, so I mean, have I just said a dirty word? <laughs> I mean, we've already seen a kind of entrance for that with the auction house, and some people do treat the auction house as a mini game in itself. And now you've got the auction house facility on your smartphone with the Armory app on your iPhone, and I think that that will just evolve into other little mini games in next gen MMOs that you would play on your smartphone. So you don't need to be sitting in the machine, but you can still. Uh, skill up in game I th and apart from and that might also be a case of if you're taking your son to and from wherever he needs to be and you're, you're waiting in the car while he goes, goes and does his uh, uh, football practice or what have you I think you'd be able to pull out your smartphone or what have you and 
quickly do this, that, or the other in-game. I think that's what will happen, so that you don't need to be at your terminal, logged in, and chatting to your mates in order to feel you're contributing. I, mm. I think it's... Maybe I'm approaching this from the other side, but I've... I started playing WoW, and I've never actually had WoW in a, a part of my life that, where I've been organizing my life around my gaming. So perhaps I'm coming at this from the other end, but I'm, I see WoW as a way of socializing with friends that maybe I aren't in the same city, you know, I can't see every day, and almost use it like a, a social network, but is, I'm, which I'm more involved with. Um, and so I find it's sort of if anything, with, with the community being embraced more and with live ID or real ID, um, you, I feel that, that, that Blizzard is sort of looking at encouraging the, the social connectivity of, of their group as well as, um, as well as just, you yeah. know, improving the game yeah. as a game in itself. Yeah. I think I definitely really the next step would be Sorry, uh, introducing a, a, out of game chat system where you can join in guild chat when you're not in the game uh, in terms of that social stuff and taking real ID global would be a nice step as well yeah. um, I mean in terms of in terms of where MMOs are going I guess I, I mean the, the, the existing player base is going to keep aging and a lot of people kind of keep keep going you know keep on with wow even when they get do get new commitments but you're always going to have younger players coming in younger players joining and that so there's always going to be that um demographic of players who are going to have a lot of free time although not necessarily free time when they would like their free time and they have to go off to meals in the middle of raids not that that doesn't bug me um and Personally, in terms of managing my time, because I end up doing the podcast and I do end up doing writing and things also, and I, you know, I work full time and I've got a partner and we both play well, so we can kind of sit there and we'll be chatting away to each other, even if we're not playing together, we'll be chatting away to each other whilst we're playing. So uh, kind of able to manage it, but I deliberately take breaks away from the game to do other things. So when I get more commitments, I don't, you know, I'll stick to it activities in game which where i don't need to arrange time with other players i mean that's the big thing with raiding it's that you have to be there on that time and you have to be there for three hours and if you can't do that then those other nine players or 24 players are going to have their time wasted and that's the kind of if you're going to raid you still need to be able to do that even if it's only two nights a week but it's a lot easier to, to just raid two nights a week now than it's ever been uh now you don't need to do 10 mans just to fill up your badge quota like you used to yeah, I, th I think this goes to um, part of the rise in popularity of things like uh, archaeology. I've found that archaeology has become—it's almost. Well, I've never played Farmville, but to use to use that kind of phrase, it's become the Farmville of WoW. Where I I'm not, uh, you know, WoW's always been a very um, solo-friendly game. I always found, which was one of the big advantages it had for me over EverQuest, in that I didn't necessarily have to have somebody online to do things that were fun. And archaeology is one of those things where you can jump on, fly around for a bit, do your archaeology, and log off again in a half an hour, and you've still had a bit of fun and done something. Um, and I'm wondering, I, I expect it'll probably only get more and more like that as time goes on, just catering to that sort of audience. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right there. I think one of the challenges that Blizzard has is it doesn't matter how much, uh, how finely polished a game it makes or how carefully balanced the classes are, the differentiating factor will always be the players that you're playing with. 
And this is why things like LFD were brought in to try and make things uh, streamlined and try and uh, have as little dependency on other people as possible. But also, I think that this is why there are so few group quests in the game. There's hardly any. I think there's one in uh, Cataclysm, and that's uh, the Crucible of Carnage, just mm. to try and remove that reliance on other people as much as possible. But mm. going back to the topic we had ages ago, it's, it's a case of when you are grouping with people, you want to make sure that it's people that you know and people that you can play well with, which is why the guilds become so much more important again. It, it comes down to choice, I think. Um, like the the rise of these more solo quests rather than group quests is that Lizard, and particularly, I remember seeing Ghostcrawler um, interviewed a while ago, and he said they always want to make it a game where it is more fun if you are doing it with other people. But they also realise the fact that not everybody can find other people at all times. I mean, it goes back to the old problem of you know sitting in trade chat saying, oh, looking for group for two more for such and such. Um, people don't always have the luxury of having other people online at all times to play with. So you can, you can play solo, but it generally speaking is always more fun when you've got somebody that you know and you like playing with you. And I think that's a good way of doing it. I think they've got that balance sorted out for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's a good place to be, um, that, to have both of those uh, aspects enjoying themselves. But I do think it'd be nice if you could... Uh, approach you know random pugs and random people and, and expect uh, to have a, to be well received now that you know a nice courteous group um not mm. that you can't now it's just it'd be nice to have that as a reliability but i guess you know that's never <laughs> yeah. gonna happen in uh, in burning well, crusade uh -huh. for me um you know i in burning crusade i grouped only with guildies that that was a rule of mine i, I would i would not you know not pug i would not i would only I only wanted to group with guildies, and then Wrath kind of broke me out of that because um, the Random Dungeon Finder showed me that, yeah, I can get in, I can get a group that can get it done, no hassle, no mess, and I can actually, I mean, again, I, I, I was playing my class better in Wrath, I think, than I was in Burning Crusade. Burning Crusade, I'd finally found a DPS spec, but I wasn't that great at it. In, in Wrath, I got good at my spec and was able to actually provide the, the kind of DPS and the kind of support in a group that, that is required of a member of a group. Now, I want, I want guild groups. I, I, I don't want pugs. Uh, I, I've been it's a one pug. Back the way. I, I've been <laughs> in one pug, and it was a, a mess. Um, and, I mean, there, there's also now benefits of doing guild runs. We now have guild experience and guild rep for doing guild runs and stuff like that, but... I wonder if Blizzard intentionally tried to push people towards those guild runs um, away from the Random Dungeon Finder. Maybe they understand that there's issues with that, that system that players aren't always going to get a great group and they may need some extra help when it comes to uh, getting a group that's going to succeed in the dungeon they're in. What do you guys think? Well, I, I come from the point of view that... Um... I think that Blizzard is encouraging people to get into guilds, but not for the reasons of um, practicality or anything like that. It, it goes back to they, they really want you to have fun when you're playing. 
And that's that's their key factor. They really want you to have fun. And they know after, you know, they've been doing this a long time, that generally people have more fun when you're doing it with your guild and with people you know and, and people that you're accountable to. And WoW is a reflection... I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a massively multiplayer online game, so you get massive amounts of people. And it's a reflection of society where there's good people in society and there's bad people in society, and you're going to run across all of those. And you're going to, I mean, you know, I could drive my car down the road today and somebody could, you know, point out, hey, your tire's flat, and then the next person around the corner could pull out a gun and carjack, well, not around my area, but, you know, they may steal my car, for example. And those people exist in WoW as well. You know, you have people who will say, hey, you're doing this quest and I'd like to help you out with it. And you have other people who, you know, stealth behind a rock and then backstab you when you're mining a node. And yeah. there's, you, they're, they're trying to encourage people to have fun. And they know the best way that people have fun is with people they know. And so if they can encourage people to play with people they know, they know that people generally have more fun. And so it's a clever way of doing it. So I, I think they're approaching it from the point of view of just wanting to make people have fun or wanting people to get as much out of it as they can and have fun. And they know that this is a good way of encouraging that. Yeah. My, my, my policy when it comes to mining stuff is uh, if I see somebody else mining a, no, a node or um, looking like they're going to like even fighting near a node, be it mining or herbing, um, I will help them defeat what they're fighting and then see yes. if they, they wanted it. Um, and, I've seen a couple of times in Wrath where I will do that, then somebody else will come in and swoop and get the node while both of us are fighting whatever the person was fighting. Um, so unfortunately, there exactly. is, back to the honor thing, there's a lot of dishonor in, in WoW for some players who don't seem to particularly care what their effect on other people is. It's well, some people play specifically to annoy other people. Uh, the old, there's um, a troll on every server. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there are groups of tanks out there who will run into a uh, group, a pack, uh, after the first, in the first pull of a dungeon, wipe and then leave. And you, there's nothing you can do about that. It's frustrating and it means that you've just wasted 45 minutes queuing up. But um, the only thing you can hope is that the, the good players will outweigh the, the bad. Very true, very true. I think that's going to be about it, though, for this episode of Group Quest. I want to thank everybody for uh, stopping by and, and listening to the live show and downloading the show and the after show. Again, do check out our our, ho our sponsor, um, and that sponsor, again, is Doghouse Systems, and there will be a code you can enter when you go there in the show notes when the show is released. And if you are listening to this uh, before 4 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, January 23rd, I do want to invite you. We have a new podcast launching on that evening or on that afternoon, um, and that will be found at uh, dawnforgelive.com. Come listen to the new show, um, talk to at least one of the hosts, and uh, we do hope that you will enjoy the new show. We'll talk more about that next week, or you can check out, again, the dawnforge.com for that announcement. Um, but again, thank you for coming to this show. Uh, first off, MacGyver, how can people find you? Uh, I do not have a web presence as such. I, I have had ideas of starting a blog or something like that. But at the moment, um, if people really want to follow me, because I don't have a huge amount to say on Twitter, but if they do want to follow me, it's at Grorin. That's at G-R-O-R-I-N. Um, that is uh, my alliance name. Um, MacGyver is my horde alt, um, which I, I play Alliance a lot more than Horde, but that's the best way to follow me if you decide you want to waste a little bit more of your time. MacGyver's not an Alliance name? What the heck? 
No, no. Strangely <laughs> enough, strangely <laughs> enough, my, my love of Torin and love of engineering led me to that. So I see, I see. And Gazamoth. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at GamerGaz. Uh, you can also find my blog at uh, mannerobscura.com. And I also do a podcast with Pewter, which is uh, at www.obscurecast.com. And we'll be putting out our first show of season two, hopefully next weekend. Indeed. Awesome. And uh, Pewter, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mental Shaman. Um, and I've also got a blog, which is mentalshaman.com. And finally, you can find me at Wow Insider, where I write as Sarah Nickel. I'm the Elemental Shaman, uh, shaman columnist. You mean Shaman, um, right? Shaman. 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 <laughs> oh, that, this is what I get for having a European <laughs> or, or, or foreign. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Well, I'm, I'm, on the, uh, I'm on the Shaman side of the fence, so. Oh, see, I, I think we missed. I think we missed a trick here. We we've got a, a majority English cast, and we didn't talk about herbalism at all. I have to. I have to listen to herbalism all the time. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. There's an H there. It's called herb. We herb. use the Queen's English down here too. Yes, enunciate, dear boy. What's your And raise your bug. How about you? Uh, you can find me if you want to listen to me ramble on Twitter. Uh, that's at RZBG. Um, and you can find me in-game on the EU Blades Edge server uh, if you look for the Allegiance Guild. Um, other than that, not very much else. Although I may have my own podcast show coming out, depending on whether or not it sounded like a pillock on here, I guess. <laughs> All right. We'll have to look out for that. And, and Peter, we, sorry, we, we didn't interrupt you. Is there anything else, anywhere else you'd like to send people to? No, that oh well, obscure cast because I'm on obscure cast as well. But you know, Gaz had already said that, so I, I figured he didn't really need that anyway. All right. Well, again, thank you for thank you all for coming on the show, and uh, this episode will be released on Sunday night probably. And uh, again, we do look forward to having you guys tune into the new podcast that launches in about uh, 24 hours from now as as we record this. So uh, we will see you on the next episode of Group Quest. That's 8 p.m. Central Time on next Sunday night. Um, and uh, we'll, or sorry, next Saturday night. Sorry, my, my apologies. And uh, we will see you next time for another Group Quest podcast. So take care. Thank you for listening to Group Quest. This is your announcer, David Grizzly Smith. We look forward to your comments on our website, The Group Quest. Com. Theme music for the show is Intended Force from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. This program is copyright 2009 through 2011 by Don Forge Productions and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com.